listening to the podcast of Northside Assembly of God in Crowley, Louisiana. Colossians chapter 3, verses 9 through 12. We're looking at the same passage that we did last Sunday. We're going to chew on it just a little bit more. Verse 9. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Now look up here for a moment. I, um, as I'm preaching this morning, I especially today feel a burden for those who either are in this room or maybe you're watching or listening by some other means. I feel a, a a special burden for those who are in a place of discouragement or you're in a place of anxiety. And I'm not just talking over the last couple days. I'm just, over the last several weeks or several months, it's like discouragement or anxiety has just sat upon your life. And if you're in that place of discouragement or anxiety this morning, I want you to really lean in for this message this morning. I believe this is going to be a word for you. It's going to be a message for you. It's for all of us, but it's especially for you. Because I think when we, um, when we dive into some of the stuff we're going to get into, in just a moment, we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 1. There's some things there that if we can just like get it in our minds and think upon it, reflect upon it, meditate on it, envision it, internalize it, get it into our blood, man, it makes it so hard. Even despite anything that's going on, it makes it so hard to stay in that place of discouragement and depression and anxiety. So if that's you this morning, I'm asking you, please, just kind of lean in today, especially on this message. Last week, we looked at this passage. We zoomed in on this phrase that Paul used. And he tells the Colossians that you're part of God's chosen people. And we talked about what does that mean and also what does it not mean? Does that imply that there are other people who are not chosen? And we looked at this idea that many, many, many Christians have. Maybe some of you have it, but I guarantee you, you at least know know Christians who have this idea. And it's called Calvinism, but it's this idea, it's part of Calvinism. We looked at this idea that many Christians have that before people are born, before the foundation of the world, God predetermines who he's going to save and who he's not going to save. That before people are ever born, God already decides... I'm going to save these people. They're going to be part of my beloved, and they're going to spend eternity uh, in heaven with me. And these folks over here, they're not part of my chosen people. I'm choosing them for destruction. They're going to spend eternity in damnation. And they say God already establishes that even before people are born, and there's nothing they can do about it. God seals their fate, and yet he creates them anyway, knowing that he's creating people for destruction. So we looked at this idea, and the main passage I said last week that, that people used to support this is in Romans 9. And so we looked at Romans 9, and I showed you last week that I believe Romans 9 actually means the exact opposite of that. And if you weren't here last week, I want to encourage you to find a way to listen to that message. 
Um, you can listen to it on our website, northsidecrowley.com. You can listen on our podcast on iTunes. Uh, some of you don't know, we have a podcast. It's, we've had it for a number of years. And actually, in the last three years, we've had like over 6,000 listens from over 200 uh, cities and 10 countries around the world. So a lot of folks are listening to our podcast. So maybe you ought to know about it. Uh, you can get it through iTunes. And, uh, and if you don't do any of that, we can get it to you on CD. Call us. We'll duplicate a CD for you and get it to you. And if you don't do that, we'll try to get it on vinyl for you. All right? Or Betamax or whatever you call it. All right. So get that message because that's a passage that really trips up a lot of folks. What I want to do this morning is I want to start by looking at the other passage that is most frequently appealed to to support this idea that God, before the foundation of the world, chooses who's going to be saved and who's not going to be saved. And it's in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. Just have, if you have a Bible or a Bible app, have your Bible open throughout the message because we're going to come back to Ephesians 1 in, in, uh, towards the end there. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. Now watch this. For God chose us in Him before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in His sight. In love, He predestined. Everybody say predestined. That's a key word for us today. In love, He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with His pleasure and will. Now, some people interpret this passage this way. That before the creation of the world, God predestined, God chose some individuals to be saved, and God predestined or chose other individuals not to be saved. So again, we're given this horrific picture of God, that God is sealing people's fate before they're ever born, and there's nothing they can do to change it. And some of them, a lot of them, are sealed for the fate of destruction eternally. And that happens before they're ever born. Now, with any belief or any interpretation of a passage in the Bible, whenever we're trying to determine is this belief or is this interpretation true or not, the most important question we can ask, the first question we should ask, is what kind of picture of God does it leave me with? If this belief is true, if this interpretation is true, what kind of picture of God does it give me? And then we ask, is that picture consistent with what we know to be true about God's character when we look at Jesus Christ on the cross? Because all of our thinking, all of our knowledge of God's character needs to be anchored in the person of Jesus Christ. Tell me if you can say amen. And see, that factor alone should be enough, I would think, to tell us something's off with this way of looking at Ephesians 1. As I showed you last week, this picture of God is of God's picking and choosing people before they're ever born, sealing their fate, some for eternal bliss, some for eternal pain, and there's nothing they can do about it, and it's done before they're born. That picture of God is just simply not consistent with what we see when we look at Jesus on the cross. I showed you those verses last week. Jesus didn't just die for our sins. He died for the sins of the whole world. Second Peter 
He's not willing. God's not willing that any should perish. He didn't want anybody to perish. He wants all to come to repentance. So there's something off with this. God doesn't pick and choose. He doesn't play favorites. So now the question becomes this. Well, Ryan, okay. Is there another way of looking at this passage? Is there a healthier, more balanced way of looking at this passage that is consistent with what we know about God in the person of Jesus Christ? And you may not be surprised to learn that, in fact, I do believe there is a different way. And that's what I want to show you this morning. And we're going to take this in a, in a whole new direction this morning from last week. But before we do anything else, I want to pause and pray. And let's really redirect our hearts to commune with God in his word. Heavenly Father, thank you for your wonderful, beautiful presence here today. I thank you, Lord, for lives that are being changed. I thank you for people that are growing. Sometimes our growth, we see visible evidence. It's exciting when we do. And sometimes, like any good grapevine, Lord, sometimes there's just work happening underneath the soil that we can't see. We just trust, Holy Spirit, that you're doing the work. And we place ourselves under the loving heat of your presence. I pray, Lord, that this message, anointed by you, spoken from your mouth through the frailty of a human, flawed communicator, Lord, I pray that you, in spite of me, would speak into our hearts and plant the seed of your word. Let it take root. Let it grow. Let it fertilize and become fruitful in our lives. May your will, may your agenda be established in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know if any of you have had opportunities in your life, I'm sure many of you have, to ride a subway train. I've done a lot of traveling in my life around the United States and even overseas, and I've had the opportunity to um, travel on a variety, a bunch of different subway systems. And some of them are rather simple to figure out. You know, if the ones I've been on overseas, even though, though I don't even know the language, it's very easy to figure out. And then there are some subway systems that are extremely complex, like the one in New York City. I know Miss Sandy can testify today. If you ever go to New York City and you've never been on that subway before, you walk down there and you look at the subway map, and it looks like a pile of spaghetti noodles, just colored spaghetti noodles. Like, what is going on? How do I get where I want to go? But here's the thing about these subway trains. Every one of these subway trains, they show up at fixed times. They're already predetermined to show up at fixed times, tight schedule, and each one of these subway trains is fixed towards a certain destination. They don't just meander around the city willy-nilly and they just go somewhere, wherever they want to go. Each one of these trains is predestined, predetermined to take you to a certain location. And you know, if I get on this train, it's going to take me to this location. Now, what's not predestined is whether or not I'm going to get on the train. That's up to me. I choose whether or not I'm going to get on this train. I don't have to. I could get on another train if I want. Or I could just leave altogether. So it's not predestined that I'm going to get on the train. But once I make my free decision to get on the train, well, now it's predestined for me to get to a certain location. Why? Because the train is predestined to go in that location. That's what Paul means when he uses the word predestined. When Paul says we are chosen and predestined in Christ, we shouldn't hear him saying, 
we individuals as opposed to those individuals. Rather, we should hear him say that, you know what? We're in Christ. We've made a decision to come under the reign of Christ. Therefore, because we've made that decision, we are chosen and predestined to be holy and adopted into sonship. In other words, you've boarded this train. And that's where, as long as you've boarded this train, that's where the train is going to take you. You're going to arrive eventually at that destination. We're going to be holy, blameless, and spotless in Christ. Let me give it to you in another analogy. Um, If you were to ask me, Pastor Ryan, when did you decide to preach this message on this Sunday? When did you decide that? I would respond and I would say it was probably around four weeks ago. About four weeks ago, I made a decision. I predestined that on this Sunday, we're going to have a message on Ephesians 1. So it was predetermined, predestined four weeks ago. I did not predestine, however that Neil Richard would be here. Neil made his own decision to come. If he wanted to, he could have stayed home. I did not predestine that Debbie Gunnels was going to be here. Debbie made that decision to come. She could have stayed home. But what was predestined is that whoever decides to show up today, as all of you have wisely done, whoever shows up, you're going to hear a message on Ephesians 1. And so when Paul says that we were chosen in Christ to be holy and spotless and blameless, he's not saying we as individuals as opposed to those individuals. What he's saying is that God has predestined that whoever is in Christ, whoever has boarded the train, will arrive at the destination of perfect holiness, perfect blamelessness, and adoption into Christ's own sonship. Now, whether or not you're going to be a part of this is largely up to you. You know, you you make the decision whether you're going to board the train or not. Nobody else can do that for you. And God's not going to force you onto the train. That's why God didn't make us to be robots. Because robots, you can't have a loving relationship with a robot. And that's what God wants. God wants to have a loving relationship. But robots can't choose to love somebody. They're programmed. God wanted real human people who have the freedom to make their own decisions because that's what makes a loving relationship possible. So God's not going to coerce you. He's not going to love you or or force you to get on the train. He's going to love you regardless. He's not going to coerce you. You have to make the decision. You have to decide to yield to the Spirit. But once you put your faith in Christ, once you yield to the Spirit and get incorporated into Christ, now, regardless of what you think, regardless of what you feel, now, Everything that's predestined for those who are in Christ gets predestined for you. That's why he says this in verse 13. Look at Ephesians 1 verse 13. Very important verse here. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth. The gospel of your salvation. When you believed. You might just underline that in your Bible. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. So this was not something that was decided an eternity ago. It happened when you believed. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, when you first submitted your life to Christ, now everything that's predestined for those who are in Christ is now predestined for you. So we don't get this horrific picture of God sealing people's fates before they're ever born. 
No, what we actually get is an unfathomably beautiful picture of God. A God whose dream is to bring the entire human race onto this train and get them to this destination. God has done and will do everything possible so that every human being would be brought under the reign of Christ. He won't force anybody. He won't coerce us. We can decide not to be included. But he's not selective. He didn't want anybody to perish. He wants all to come to repentance and be brought into the Son. So this is what Paul means when he talks about this word predestined. Now here's why this concept of predestination is so important to us. In this world that we live in right now, as it is, there's so little that we can count on. There's so little that we can trust. There's so little in this world that we can have our hope in. As I've been saying throughout Colossians, we've used this image in the series of, you know, we just live in this fog of confusion, a fog of deception. There's so much uncertainty and ambiguity in this world. And beyond that, you know, the world, let's just face it, the world is just fundamentally broken. Man, how many of you understand that? Our world, our society is absolutely broken beyond human repair. I mean, we've just seen in the last couple of weeks another batch of horrific mass shootings. And I know people have different opinions on the cause or whatever. The one thing everybody should be able to agree on is that something's broken. This is not the way God would have things to be. So the world's broken. Human society is broken. But listen, the reason why the world and society is broken is because individuals are broken. We're a broken people. We're damaged people. Even those of us in this room, there are probably things in your life that are not functioning the way that they ought to. There are probably patterns of thinking and patterns of behavior that are not exactly the way that God designed it to function. We're broken people. And, and, and sometimes, even us in this room, man, we struggle with our own shortcomings. We struggle with sin. We struggle with doubt. We struggle with fear and anxiety. We're broken people. And some of you, I know you can relate to this, man. It's like, Man, you, you're in this season where you're, you're trying to walk with God. You really want to walk with God. But then you start looking at yourself and you wonder, man, am I really making any progress? Come on. You know, some days it feels like, all right, man, I'm doing good. I took two steps forward. And then the next day it's like three steps back. And you start wondering, am I ever going to get to the destination? What can I trust, man? What can I count on? What can I put my hope in? What can I have assurance in? One thing's for sure, if our hope is in ourselves, we're doomed. If our hope is in our ability to figure this all out, we're doomed. If our hope is in religion, we're doomed. If our hope is in America, we're doomed. If our hope is in government, we're doomed. If our hope is in our own holiness, we're doomed. If our hope is in our ability to, tr to, to impress God, we're doomed. What can we trust? What can we count on? What can we have assurance in? And in the midst of all of that uncertainty and all those problems and all those questions and all that ambiguity and all that brokenness, the Apostle Paul comes along and he says, I've got good news for you. And it's really, 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 really good news. Paul comes along in the midst of all of these questions and he says, there's a train that you can get on. And this train, human society, this train is going to lead you into a right relationship with God. And if you will get on this train and stay on this train, it's going to lead you into the kingdom of God. It's going to lead you where you need to go. You can't trust yourself. 
your own efforts, your own performance, your government, your nation, religion. You can't trust any of that. But this you can trust. This train is going to take you into a right relationship with God. If you get on this train, it's going to take you into holiness and blamelessness and spotlessness and adoption into the very sonship of Jesus Christ. If you get on this train... This train is going to lead you. It's going to land you right in the heart of the triune God where you're going to be reconciled to the Father and dwell with Him for all of eternity. And the train is Jesus Christ. In the midst of this painful, damaged world, that's the one thing you can count on. Amen. And what I want to do for the remainder of this message is I want us to just sit in this for a little bit. I want us to savor this. You know, especially those of you that are discouraged, you're depressed, you're in anxiety right now. What we got to learn how to do is, as Paul said earlier in Colossians, set our mind on things above, like a thermostat. You remember that? Your mind is the thermostat of your life. At my house, whoever last touches the thermostat before they go to bed, that's who's going to set the temperature. And I like it cold, baby. I need a, I want to have a blanket, and it makes sense to have a blanket. The thermostat is what controls the temperature. And the thermostat is what's going to control the temperature of your life. What's the thermostat? Your mind. Whatever you think on, dwell upon, envision, internalize in your mind, it's going to set the temperature of your life. That's the direction of your life right there. All hinges upon what you choose to think. Nobody else can do it for you. And so if you're in that place of discouragement, sometimes what we need is we need something to anchor ourselves to. We need something to give us joy in the midst of despair, something that can bring us peace in the midst of anxiety. And so here's what we're going to do. You got your Bibles open, Ephesians 1. All right. I'm just going to quickly take you through a tour of Ephesians 1, and I want to show you what is predestined for you. I'm going to show you what God has predestined to be true in your life. If you're submitted to Jesus Christ, I don't care what struggles you have right now. I don't care what problems you're having with your thinking. Hey, all of that's going to get cleaned up if you just stay on the train. But let me show you where the train's going to take you. All right, so Ephesians 1, let's look at this. I'm just going to go right down the line. Verse 2, I believe it is. The first thing Paul says is that in Christ, we've been predestined to be blessed with every spiritual blessing. Folks, if you're in the sun, God doesn't withhold one single blessing from us. Because you're in the sun, He gives everything to the sun. And since you're in the sun, He gives everything to you. Every spiritual blessing. The next thing He says in Christ, we've been predestined to be holy and blameless. Completely holy. Completely blameless. There's not going to be a spot on you. But it's not because you're so good and you're so wonderful and you've achieved all these spiritual accolades, has nothing to do with that. It's because you're on the right train. And this is where the train is going to take you. Just stay on the train. Don't get off. The devil's going to tell you, get off. It's not taking you anywhere. Stay on the Jesus train. Because this is where it's going to take you. Verse 5, he says, In Christ it's predestined that we will be lovingly adopted into Christ's own sonship. Think about this. That means... That the very relationship that the father has with his son, that's the same relationship that the father's going to have with you. That's why Jesus prays for us in John 17. He prays for us. And he prays this, Lord, Father, let them know 
that they are loved. He doesn't say let them be loved. That's true. He's saying let, us, let them know that they are loved with the same love that the Father has for His Son. The same love. It's not an inferior love. It's not a derivative love, a secondary love. It's the same love. But again, it's not because you've conquered something and, and because you've made such progress and because you've gotten your act together. It has nothing to do with that. Nothing to do with that. It's because you're in the right place. You're in the Son. Verse 6, he says that if we're in Christ, we are predestined to be one who magnifies God's glorious grace. We're going to put it on display. It's predestined that for all of eternity, you and I, we're going to be, each one of us, we're going to be a unique, one-of-a-kind reflection of God's beauty, God's glory, God's grace, God's love. We're going to shine like stars for God's glory throughout all eternity. That's where this train's taking you. Then he says in Christ, it's predestined that you will be completely redeemed and totally forgiven. If God be for us, who can be against us? Who can lay any charge against us? We're part of God's chosen people. Some of you in this room, you know what it's like to be accused falsely. You know what it's like to have your words twisted, to have your motives maligned, to have your character assassinated. But when you know who you are and you're thinking straight, none of that can get to you. Because that's where this train's taking you. Complete redemption, total forgiveness. Amen. Verse 8, if you're in Christ, it's predestined that you will have God's grace lavished upon you. Not just when you first make a decision to follow Jesus. Your whole life, God's just going to pour His grace on you. He's going to deluge you in His grace. He's not a stingy God. Every drop of His grace is going to be like Niagara Falls. Just, you're going to be drowned in the grace of God in a good way. Verse 9, he says, if you're in Christ, it's predestined that you will receive the revelation of his will in Christ. And then in verse 10, it, we see that it involves experiencing all things brought into harmony under Christ. All things. Everybody say all things. You know, I mentioned it earlier. We live in a broken, damaged world beyond human repair. But I said it's beyond human repair. It's not re beyond God's repair. And that's what the kingdom of God is all about. God's taking everything that's broken and destroyed and everything that's going to cooperate, he's going to bring it into alignment with his purpose. All of human society, all of creation, everything that's been damaged, he's going to make things right. He's reconciling all things to himself. And for those of us who are on this train, we're going to have a front row seat. In fact, we're even now beginning to participate in God's reclamation project. That's what the kingdom of God is all about. And then in verse 11, he says, if you're in Christ, it's predestined that you will have God work out everything in our life according to his will. Everything is going to work out for his glorious will, the good, the bad, the ugly. Now, that doesn't mean that ugly things that happen to you are part of God's plan. And anybody who he listens to me preach for very long, you know where I stand on that. There are things that happen in our lives sometimes that God had nothing to do with. And God doesn't want to happen. But in a fallen, broken, sinful, damaged world, there are bound to be things that happen that God does not will upon us. However, even though God, not everything that happens to you is part of God's plan, God has a plan for everything that happens. God is so infinitely wise and smart. He can take 
anything, every regret, every mistake, every sorrow you've experienced, and if you'll just simply offer it to him, he will take it and make something beautiful out of it. Just like David Martin graduating today. Amen? Amen. And then in verse 12, he says, you're predestined to be one who, will who exists for the praise of his glory throughout eternity. We're going to be singing the praises of his glory. In verse 13, if you're in Christ, it's predestined that you're going to be marked with the ownership seal of the Holy Spirit. Eternally, you're going to belong to him. You are now his. Nobody can pluck you out of his hand. In verse 14, finally, he says, if you're in Christ, it's predestined that you will enjoy the guarantee of inheritance as one of God's special possessions. You will inherit the kingdom, praise God. You may be dirt poor right now, but from God's perspective, you are infinitely rich because you're on the right train, and this train is going to take you to that destination. So look up here. Watch this. This is true of you right now. If you've submitted your life to Jesus, this is the truest thing about you. This is what's true. This is where the train's taking you. But sometimes, as we've been saying in this series, we don't always feel it's true. We don't, it doesn't line up with the way we think and experience life. We don't, it just, sometimes when we read this stuff, if we're honest, it just doesn't resonate. It just doesn't resonate with our experience. We don't feel it. We don't think it. We don't experience it. And the reason why is, as I've said, it's because we live in this world that's like a fog of deception. This culture we live in every day floods us with deception and confusion and ambiguity. The experiences in your past, the things people have said to you, the things that the titles, the, the, the labels that people have placed upon your life have deluded you into seeing yourself in a totally opposite way of seeing yourself. It's, it's what Paul says setting our mind on earthly things. And see, even if you've made a decision to follow Jesus, even if you've become a Christian and made that decision, if our minds are totally dominated by the junk of this world, the junk of our culture, and the, the fleshly thoughts of our own human nature, then no matter whether you're a Christian or not, your life is not going to reflect what this says about you. You're not going to be walking and living and experiencing what is actually true about you. You're going to be living out of a false self, a, a, see, a deceived self. And the key is what Paul says earlier in Colossians. Set your mind on heavenly things, on things above. Get your minds out of the gutter. Those old patterns of thinking have to go. The thermostat has to be adjusted. And the way we do that is every day get into God's presence. Fill our minds up with His truth. Things like Ephesians 1. Commit it to memory. Proclaim it over yourself. Think it. Meditate on it. Reflect upon it. Envision it. Internalize it. And when that becomes part of you, man, it's so difficult to stay in a place of discouragement. Why? Because I know who I am and I know where I'm going. But it's not because I've got it all figured out. It's just because I'm on the right train. And the train's going to take me there. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. To learn more about Northside Assembly of God, check out our website at www.northsidecrowley.com.